comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. And welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by Jim, and back by popular demand, and from Chicago, Russ. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Russ is all hopped up on Polish sausage and deep dish pizza <laughs> and beef sandwiches. Oh, beef sandwiches! John's computer is still down for the count, and Brad couldn't make it tonight, so it's just the three of us. But we got plenty of good stuff to talk about. First off, gentlemen. Why don't you say we get right to a voicemail that we got in after we recorded last week's show, but it's about last week's episode. Hi, guys. It's Meg from Poughkeepsie. Um, I listened to your podcast just now and um, just uh, kind of agree with the people who called in and, and you all that the mid-season opening show was pretty blah. And, you know, I, want, I expected a little more, but um, some standouts for me. or One of the things you made a comment about, Carol um, not getting over her feelings that she has about her abusive husband, who's long since dead, but long meaning maybe only a year ago. Um, abused people, male and female, take that abuse to their grave. They they hurt for the rest of their lives. And even if they've had good therapy and maybe a good relationship with people and moved on, it's still always there. So Carol's definitely not over uh, her um, horrible husband and his abuse of her and her her daughter, but I saw her her role her acting was finally really a good it was a standout. Um, she had a great scene with Beth and her way that she uh, when she heard the news about Daryl not coming back just really felt believable. Um, sometimes on the show I find the acting to be pretty lacking and wanting, and um, Carol has been one of those that I've wanted more from, and uh, I think she delivered. So I just wanted to put that out there, and thanks a lot for your podcast. I listen every week. Bye. Well, thank you for your voicemail, Meg. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, Carol's acting really has stepped up uh, last week's episode and this week's episode, as we'll talk about um, some good scenes there. Her comments were well-founded. I, I like the fact that Carol's stepping up a little bit. It's interesting, too, because she's not... Uh, Melissa McBride is not listed as, like, a starring cast member. She's, like, an also-starring, so she doesn't have her name on the front credits, but it seems like she she has a lar- larger role than, you know, what we're... Basically, what's being, you know, portrayed in the credits, so... Um, which I think has to, has to do with their uh, monetary participation, so... I hope that doesn't mean that she's not going to be around for for very much longer, and maybe with uh, season four she'll get she'll get a promotion. But uh, but yeah, and as far as Meg, what Meg was saying specifically, I I totally agree. I mean, I don't think um, that she's over her her deceased husband and his brutality. Uh, you know, I think she's just got enough to occupy her mind and to to take her mind off of of her past and to just focus on the present and the future. It seems unfair that Sarah Wayne Cowley's character has been dead, and yet Melissa McBride's character is still in the secondary credits. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what does she have to? Does she have to die to get in the main credit sequence, or what? Um, I Maybe think, so. I think she's pretty. Uh, she's. I don't know. I think she's a pretty strong actress. I always have. I thought it was. I think it's a good role. And uh, I mean, 
Um, you know, Meg's uh, statement is definitely you know well founded as far as abused people and their abusers. But um, I mean, there's uh, like we're going to get into in this episode um, tonight. There are a lot of really good Carol moments. Um, she really is becoming you know a, a mainstay and a pillar of the group. All right. So without any further ado, what do you say we get into this week's episode discussion, gentlemen? Sounds like a plan. Alrighty. Season 3, episode 11 is entitled, I Ain't a Judas. And uh, we, we start off at the prison, uh, and after the governor's awesome attack last week, Herschel wants to abandon the prison, but Merle suggests that it's now too late for that, as they don't have enough ammunition to clear the yard, and if they were going to do it, they should have done it the night before, at least in his opinion. Uh, Rick and Glenn, however, they argue that the group should stay, and Rick, when Rick walks away, Herschel yells at Rick to get his head clear so they can lead him, and then later even Carl suggests that Rick should possibly step down and get some rest and let Herschel and Daryl run things for a while. That great scene right before the uh, the opening credits where Carl, uh, you know, kind of takes Rick, I mean, Rick is off by himself and Carl comes to join him and tells him, you know, you know maybe you should take a break, maybe you should step down for a while. Um, great scene between those two, and, uh, you know, kind of a long time coming. I'm glad we're starting to see the end of crazy Rick because you know the way things are going, we kind of needed uh, you know the Rick Tatorship to kick back in, I guess. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I wasn't on last week, obviously, but I thought that was an awesome way to wake him up and to get him his head back in the game. Is is that attack uh, by the governor? And it just uh, that that just had me. Like I said, I don't. Want, I guess I don't want to dwell too much on last week, but I'll, I'll just say it just had me at the edge of my seat, like very few episodes of the show have had to that degree. So it was pretty pretty amazing. So we then head over to Woodbury, where they are arming the town, and they're going through and seeing who can fight. They've got about 20 adults who are in a good condition to join in the, in the battle. Uh, they have another six or so who are unfit but can carry a weapon at least, and they also decide to open it up to children as young as uh, 10, I believe it was, or 9. Or no, 13. Adolescence is a 20th century... Uh creation according to the governor which is pretty much true uh, the, the whole concept of teenager wasn't a thing until the 60s uh, and so they they start going through the town and recruiting people and including uh, Karen's son Noah who has asthma which gets brought up quite a bit and this of course obviously freaks Andrea out because they're having child soldiers all of a sudden and she says we need to you need to let me leave go over to the prison and see if I can negotiate peace with Rick uh, but the governor says, you can go, but if you go, uh, stay there. You're not welcome back here. There's that scene with the grandmother who has the arthritis, who, like, pull, you know, comes out for uh, for gun duty, you know, and the governor's kind of walking around, like, assessing, uh, you know, his troops, as it were. The the grandmother puts out her hands, and Milton's like, oh, this is the, uh, the woman with arthritis, and, uh, you know, the governor lets her go. I was like, for a minute there, I was like, are they going to hand her, like, an AK and, like, try to, you know, enlist her, too? I mean, it's just, you know, you, you wonder how far the governor's willing to go. But he still makes Noah and the other kids join up. Right. So, later on, Andrea goes to Milton, and she asks him, well, I guess technically he comes to her, but she, she talks to him, and she asks if he can help her sneak out. Um, and he's, he agrees that he will after she kind of forces him to and twists his wrist a little bit. Uh, but then we see next scene that Milton goes to the governor, and uh, just like the governor asked him, keep an, uh, keep an eye on Andrea, and tells him what's going on. But the governor decides to give her a, a, you know, a little bit of space, and he tells Milton to go along with her, help her get out, and uh, then come back and let him know what's going on. Now, I'm, I'm just wondering, why did Andrea confide in Milton? You know, why, why, I was just wondering why Andrea couldn't sneak out on her own. You know, it just, it just seems like, that, you know... Bringing him into it is just, you know, accruing more, you know, um, uh, baggage, as it were. You know what I mean? It's not really helpful. I, I didn't think. get the impression that she was asking him to come along the first time just for him to cover for her and help her get past the guards or whatever. Yeah, same with me. I mean, I guess, you know, we saw Andrea came in, the, the you know, the way she did, the, the way her and Michonne did. I I don't I didn't take it as she had a whole lot of familiarity with the area around where they were. Um, I I think she feels like maybe her and Milton bonded, and that she sees in Milton that maybe he isn't quite on board with 
with the governor in his twisted ways that he's for the most part a man of of reason a man of science and that maybe she she would be able to to confide in him to, that he would do the right thing but um he's just a weird dude man he really i can't put my finger on his character and what and what it is maybe it's the properness of him at times but he's just he's just such an odd bird well he's a book smart person at least from what we've seen who has no real physical power of his own and has to rely on other people. And in this case, he's hitches his horse to the governor, and uh, he's going to stick there as long as he has to because the governor's the one who can keep him safe and keeps him around and seems to like him. We haven't seen the governor go off on Milton, I don't think. And, you know, that's who he needs to stay alive in this apocalypse because he's sure as hell not going to be able to do it on his own. And that's how the governor right. knows that he's absolutely loyal is because he's dependent on the governor, he couldn't survive without the governor, and you know the system that he's imposed on Woodbury, he could not you know do it all like Jordan said on his own. So that's how the governor knows that he's you know completely on his side. It's also possible. I mean, we don't know the extent of Milton's experiments. Um, the governor may have dirt on him on things Milton has done that the, if the people of Woodbury found out, uh, they would not like it so much. We, we really don't know. I mean, granted, a lot of that would probably be at the governor's behest, things he would do, but not necessarily all of them. Right. So we head out into the woods with Milton and Andrea. Andrea and Milton capture a zombie. Uh, they knock it down. They hold. It, they hack off its arms, or Andrea hacks off its arms while Milton holds it down. And uh, then Andrea runs over, grabs a rock, sticks it under its face, and curb stomps its teeth out. Uh, she's basically making one of uh, Michonne's guard dogs. For herself, I would like to ask that we call this uh, act "Doing the Michonne," because <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking while I was watching. I'm like, "Oh, she's going to Michonne that one." You know, we can make Michonne a verb. So, doing the Michonne. So, why they're doing this, or right as they're done doing it, who should pop out of the woods but Tyrese and his group? Um, and they're a bit put off at first until uh, Andrea explains more or less why they're doing what they're doing. And uh, Milton agrees to take Tyrese and his group back to Woodbury, and Andrea leaves with the Michonne Walker for the prison. It's amazing how close Woodbury and the prison are to each other now. Like, they're literally, like, one commercial break away from one another. Like, the people keep, you know, it's like the only two places in the universe are the are Woodbury and the prison and keep people keep coming back and forth. Well, we don't yeah. know how far away they were from the from Woodbury when they Michonne the zombie, and Tyrese and his group had you know about twenty four hours, I'd say minimum, to get from uh, the prison to where they were. So it's just funny how, and I know again suspension of disbelief. Uh, you know, it's more I guess akin to like a comic book thing, but how these people just kind of randomly chance into each other all the time. I mean, we saw it with Merle. We see it, you know, now with, with Tyrese and this group. It's like out of all of the random routes and, and passages and ways you could take to get from point A to point B, uh, it seems like these people keep taking the right passage to cross with each other. Um, I, I, I just find it funny. Like I said, it, it's not one of those things that I get too hung up about because it is television. It is, you know, part of the narrative, and it's just how they're going to tell the story. Right, absolutely. So back at the prison, Glenn, you know, goes over and suggests they hand Merle over to the governor. Maybe that can appease him. Uh, but Mer- Merle basically says that isn't going to work. He's going to, you know, want to kill me first. This isn't going to help anything. And then he goes over and he tries to, I don't know, make good with Michonne and half-heartedly apologize for what he had done, saying it was... He was just doing the governor's orders, and I love the line where she says, oh, like the Gestapo, and he's like, yeah, exactly. Well, there's like, there are two really good scenes, one with Merle one-on-one with another character. There's the one you're referring to with him and Michonne, where, you know, Denai Gurra gives a little bit more than just her normal scowling Michonne performance. Um, we'll also see later her big mic drop performance. But uh, also the, 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 the um, quoting of Bible uh, scripture back and forth between Herschel and Merle. Um, that was a really good scene. A lot of understated acting there, and uh, you know, Merle's trying to like you know fit in or trying to relate to these people in in some way. You know, uh, it, it's just a, it's such a movie trope too. You know, someone if, if whenever someone quotes Bible scripture, one character they're going to quote back the rest of the scripture and know the verse. 
It is you know? a pretty well known verse, though. I mean, it's not yeah. you know John three sixteen level or something, but it's yeah. You but, know. but still, I mean, I, I just you know Rooker and Wilson were really great in that scene, and then later you know Rooker and uh, and and, and Gara with uh, you know when he confronts Michonne while she's doing her workout, it's just um, a couple of really good character scenes. It just gives you the power of Michael Rooker, man. He's he's a really uh, really good actor. Yeah, and it's really cool to see him get to interact with the rest of the cast when in, you know, his few appearances in season one and, and season two in the, the Dream State, of course, he only interacted with a couple of them. So it's cool to see that the rest of them get a chance to bounce things off of him. Now, I had a question for you guys about that scene, actually, between Herschel and uh, Merle. When, after Merle quotes uh, the scripture back at, uh, back at Herschel, he basically goes... Uh, yeah, Woodbury had a big library, and that was one of the only things I miss about it. But I don't really think, I mean, at least at least my opinion, he knew that long before he was at Woodbury. That's the kind of thing that I have a feeling Merle might kind of know. From, I, don't, I mean, we don't know too much about his background, but I got the, the impression he was just trying to cover with, oh, oh, I only learned it recently. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a good assessment of what's going on, because that's... I mean, being able to, to memorize Bible Bible scripture like that usually, you know, as a young age, I don't think it's something you just picked up in Woodbury. Yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing, Jordan. I I didn't get the impression that, I, I like you said, I think I think he was covering um, for for whatever reason to Herschel. So it's right about this time that Carl spots someone coming out of the woods, and Maggie takes aim with her her rifle, and she sees that it's Andrea. So they open up the gate and let her in, and then immediately knock her down on her knees, throw up against a wall, and, uh, I mean, if they had handcuffs, I'm sure they'd use them, but basically they take her into custody. Well, after the sneak attack last episode, I mean, they're not going to take any chances. Right, right. Even though it is Andrea, you know what I mean? But they finally bring her inside, uh, they catch up on who's dead, who's alive, some of the things that happens ha- have happened since she's been away. And she warns them that Woodbury is ready for a war, and uh, she wants to instead, you know, garner peace. But no one really believes that the governor is going to accept a truce. Andrea's trying to be Picard. Rick is trying to be Kirk. <laughs> and Merle yeah. is the Gorn. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, she comes in. I mean, first of all, the the scene where she walks in, everyone sees that it's Andrea. The look that Carl gives Andrea. It's not a welcoming look. If you look, go back to that scene and look at it, it's it's a really good, uh, just like this thousand-yard stare um, at Andrea as she comes in. And then, um, you know, Andrea's trying to you know, say that, oh, you know, we have to broker this piece. We have to, you know, if we don't, we're all going to die. And, you know, the re- response from Glenn and Rick is like, bring it on. You know, it's just, uh, it, it was a great scene. And I liked that a lot of the stuff got, caught up and cleared away the uh, the uh, you know the stuff Andrew didn't know about what happened with the group and all that stuff you know all that kind of pop, plot clutter as it were got swept away in that scene and I was happy to see that I laughed at uh, Aaron's post on Facebook he says review in progress but Michonne responded with quote nothing unquote to a question involving how much she told people making it the most accurate statement Michonne has ever said I had to laugh <laughs> at that one because Andrew's like what did you tell them that they're so uh, mad at me I was happy that she, that um, Michonne did more than just scowl and grimace yeah. this episode. We got to see a, a few good scenes with her. Um, we the scene with her and Andrea in just a little bit uh, where they confront one another is uh, it was really I thought well not only well choreographed uh, well shot but also very well acted between those two. Yeah. So Rick says if you really want to help us, you'll help us get inside Woodbury so we can kill the governor. But she refuses. And then we have that scene between, later on between uh, Michonne and Andrea that you're talking about, Jim, uh, where Michonne tells Andrea that the governor sent Merle to kill her, and that if you would come with me, he would have sent him after you too. Um, he's not going to let anyone out who wasn't under his control. And uh, she, she, Michonne then tells Andrea, I went back into Woodbury to kill the, or to expose the governor so you would see what happened. And then she says the phrase, and I knew it would hurt you. And I, I've seen conflicting uh, interpretations of that online. So what did you guys take it as? Did you take it as, I did this because I knew it would hurt you, or I did it despite knowing it would hurt you? Well, she also has that line about, you traded a friend for a warm bed. Yeah. Which I thought was you know pretty damning, you know. And, and you know at that point, I almost expected like a mic drop. 
her to just walk off, you know. Yeah. But uh, it, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know she was trying to to wake her up. You know, sometimes you know you wake someone up with uh, by not only exposing you know the you know the hypocrisy of the people around them, like you know Michonne was trying to do, but also by you know or, um, you know. I don't know, like almost like a, a physical attrition by, you know, teaching somebody something that you know, a painful lesson. You know, as you know, the the saying is. Um, so that, I think that's what she was trying to do. I I didn't read uh, too much into it like some of the other people. Yeah, it's just it's such a weird relationship that they have to begin with, and then to add this, you know, to keep adding complexity to it. And I think to some degree we're still trying to figure out what Michonne's deal is and what Andrea's deal is. Um, you know, Michonne more just out of mystery, like we're still trying to figure, you know, what her motive is, you know, what her angle is, why is she so secretive? Why doesn't she ever give a straight answer to anything? And with Andrea, I think we're just trying to figure out, like, is she trying to get in close to ultimately betray the governor? Is she really want to try and make it work at Woodbury, even if it means she's going to have to have to sacrifice a bit of herself? You know, what's what's really going on there? I don't uh, think she I think, knows. I don't think she even knows. I mean, the very last scene of this episode tells us that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't even think the character herself knows, like, where she belongs. So before we continue on with the rest of our synopsis, Jim, why don't you tell us about our wonderful sponsor? Well, our uh, sponsor, as always, is are the wonderful people at dcbservice.com. Uh, .com. That's uh, discountcomicbookservice.com. And if you are interested in The Walking Dead because you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you would be, and you want to check out the graphic novels, the comics, the T-shirts, the action figures, all the great pop culture stuff that goes with The Walking Dead, you can find it at dcbservice.com. You can also find a wide array of graphic novels, comic books, uh, other pop culture items, as I said, and they have a lot of great uh, specials going on right now. First of all, I'd like to recommend, uh, right off the bat, IDW's Star Trek Countdown to Darkness trade paperback. Uh, There's a new Star Trek movie coming out this summer, you may have heard of it, Star Trek Into Darkness. This is a a story that takes place before that. It's co-written by one of the screenwriters of the new Star Trek movie, Roberta Orsi, and it's actually pretty good stuff, especially if you're an old-school Star Trek fan. There's a lot of cool nods the original Trek continuity all through it. Uh, that's 50% off at DCB Service this month. Um, and also, you can order all of the Marvel Now titles. Marvel just relaunched a, a lot of uh, their titles with all new number ones. Uh, they shuffled around all the creative teams and uh, a lot of really cool comics coming out of that. All the Marvel Now titles this month, for month, this month's pre-orders as a bundle are 50% off. That comes to 70 bucks and 81 cents. And if you're a first-time customer at DCB Service and you use the, t- the code WD8, then you get another 8% off on top of that. So you're getting insane amounts of money off your orders, and they have a wide variety of stuff. If you want to catch up on Walking Dead and trade paperbacks in the comics, in the compendiums, they have them in all the various permutations there at deep discounted prices. Thank you very much, sir. So back at Woodbury, uh, we meet up with the governor again, and guess who's there? Hey, it's Tyrese and his group. And they're in the infirmary, the same place Michonne and, uh, and Andrea were brought the first time they got there. And uh, the governor gives him, you know, his, hey, welcome to Woodbury speech. He discusses w- what they've been through. And then Alan happens to mention offhand that they'd been, off the, they'd been at the prison. And they were chased out by this crazy guy called Rick. And Tyrese gives the governor pretty much the same offer he made to Rick. Which was, hey, you let us help out and earn our keep. Um, and that, that'll, earn us, uh, that'll earn us some beds here. And the governor asks Tyrese if he could provide a layout of the prison. And Tyree says he'll do his best, even though it's pretty confusing. And the whole time, the governor keeps uh, giving leering, longing glances at uh, Tyrese's sister, Sasha. So that was a little creepy. Well, he's probably getting tired of Andrea, you know. <laughs> it's been, what, a whole three or four episodes. So he has to move on. He's the alpha male, right? Gotcha. Um, I really... I'm, And this comes just because of, of being such a fan of the comic. It, it bothers me to see Rick versus Tyrese. It just does. Just the idea that the Rick and it might be fighting against Tyrese just kind of bothers me. So, but I think that. the way it's happening has been pretty... I don't know if organic's the right word, but everything lines up pretty well for the show. And I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but just the whole... Because in, in the TV show universe, Rick meets Tyrese after um, 
the governor and not before. It totally changes the dynamic. So everything is changed up plot-wise, but character-wise, everything still works. And Tyrese here is not doing this out of malice. He's just doing it as, hey, there's a crazy guy over at this prison and a bunch of people who otherwise are really nice. Maybe we should go over and kill the crazy guy and save the people and bring him over here to this nice town where this nice governor guy is uh, willing to help us out. And I think it works really well, and I did enjoy the scene quite a bit. I, I agree it fits with this version uh, of the story and stuff. I, it fits in perfectly. I'm just saying that, you know, from... I, 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 we've said it a million times, if it were word, you know, chapter and verse in the comic, it would be boring to watch each week. It's, it's just strange for me to see these two characters pitted against one another. Oh, I got you. One thing that I noticed, and maybe I'm reading a little bit into it, too much. Maybe I want to re- try and read too much into it, but um, I forget. I, f- I, I have brain lapsed. The the lady that's with uh, Tyrese, Sasha, his sister, Sasha. There was a, a at the end of that sequence. Um, after the governor walks out, and they kind of they kind of have their spiel. Tyrese says something, and then she looks at him, and it's almost like she's ready to say something. And they do a they do like a, a hard edit right there. And part of me was wondering if maybe they're not there by accident, that maybe they're, they have an ulterior motive, that maybe Tyrese has something planned that we just don't know about yet. Maybe Herschel or Carl or somebody said something to them before they left. Because the last we saw of, of them was when Rick kind of lost it and just told them, you know, go on, get out, get away, and they, they, everybody just kind of left. Um so I'm curious if, if, like I said, maybe I'm reading too much into it or not, uh, that maybe there might be you know, something else going on with, with, with that group. I think that could be really cool. By the way, we glossed over the scene with the governor and his match. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jim. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm sorry. We, I, I didn't remember that until now. Me neither. And let me reread my own post from the Facebook wall because it's absolutely true. Uh the match scene had my sister running in from the other room to see what could have possibly caused me to be audibly grossed out because I let out, oh my gosh, when he lit that match and held it up to his eye. And uh, she was like, if something in this show is grossing you out, I've got to see it myself. And then uh, she was also very, very grossed out. I don't know that a match would be particularly effective at cauterizing a wound like that, but just the thought of it was, ugh, just makes my spine crawl. Yeah, it's good. It was a good makeup. It was a good makeup effect. I thought it, it looked suitably disgusting. Did did it seem like the glass was still in his eye? I think it was more there's just a cut in his eye. I didn't notice a glass, any glass. But I I do seem to remember the doctor lady saying something along the lines of she couldn't get it all out. But that was so long ago. I can't remember for sure. It, it's just, and I wasn't watching it in, in high def, but in looking at it. It looked like in the dead center, there was almost, and, and again, it's hard to tell because I'm sure they're trying to make it look like this nasty wound, but it looked like there was a, uh, like like what looked like glass, like a round, you know, small piece of glass, like dead center, almost, almost again, like it was, you know, bro- broken off and, and, you know, nobody bothered to kind of, you know, go in there and pull that out, but... Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. Yeah, there was, a, I know what you mean, there was something reflecting in there. When you reflecting yeah, yeah. light, I, I, I don't know if that was uh, you know meant to be like maybe the back of his retina that was still left in there, or, you know, something viscous, or rather, you know, like you said, something glass. But I know what you mean. And since we mentioned it last week on the show, and they mentioned it on the Talking Dead this week, I thought I would point out before uh, we get any you know, tweets or, or Facebook posts or voicemails or emails about it. Um, they did not reverse the shot for the governor's eye because some people definitely noticed that it changed sides. He was just looking into a mirror with, with the whole match right. bit, which did throw me yeah. off at first. But then I quickly picked up to, oh, OK, I see what was going on. There's a mirror behind him. Yeah, it was funny. They I, I think it was either before it started or maybe it was like next next on The Walking Dead or like a preview. They showed that and I was like, surely they weren't dumb enough to 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 not reverse a shot and leave it the wrong eye. And then I thought about it for a second before it even came on, and I was like, "It's it's got to be he's looking in a mirror." And sure enough, uh, you know, when you saw what he was doing and what was going on, that's that's obviously what happened. Yep. 
So back at the prison, uh, Andrea has been led inside the main uh, sleeping quarters, and she's holding uh, Judith for the first time, talking with Carol. And this was another great Carol scene where Carol pretty much lays it all out and says, what you need to do is go back to the go back to Woodbury, sleep with the governor, give him the best night of his life and then slit his throat. This is the Carol scene I was referring to earlier in the episode. Just really awesomely acted. You know, she was from being incredibly maternal and then kind of telling, you know, kind of just telling Andrew what had happened then to just, you know, bloodthirsty cutthroat on the, you know, the turn of a dime. I thought it was a really good scene. So after Carol tells her that, uh, we then cut to later on that day or the next day. It's not entirely clear, I don't think. And uh, they get Andrea a car. And uh, they say their goodbyes. Rick gives her a knife and a gun, and she drives back to Woodbury. There's a shot I just wanted to mention really quick. When Andrea's driving up to the gate, there's one shot that looks back, and it's almost the entire cast except for Merle, all in one shot. And I would love to see a picture of that, or maybe uh, maybe I can figure out how to do a screen capture of that. Because it was just really framed well. Daryl and Rick were like the two largest figures in it, but the whole cast was there in, in one Shot would have made a great production photo. Which is pretty rare. Right. You don't normally have them all in one shot like that. But yeah, that's right. I'll have to go back and look for that one. So she gets back to Woodbury. She gets past the guards eventually. Uh, as soon as she gets there, they all point her weapons at her. And next time we see her, she's uh, in the governor's uh, the governor's mansion. Uh, she tells him what happened, more or less. Uh, they start making out. They head back to the bedroom. Uh, and then we catch back up with them after... Uh, they're after the governor's asleep, at least, and uh, Andrea wakes up. She gets out of bed. Uh, the governor, kind I think he, he looks around a little bit when she's not looking and, and sees that she's getting out of bed. Uh, she goes over, she grabs a knife, she walks around to the other side of the bed where he is. She holds the knife out. She looks at him. He holds still, so if he's aware of what's going on, he's holding on to the last second before he makes his move. And then she can't do it. She walks back, she looks out the window, and the episode ends. Well, there's the uh, the scene of Beth singing uh, the Tom Waits song, Hold On. Which, that was a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous rendition. And Rick tells uh, Daryl and Herschel that he and Michonne and Carl are going to go on um, a hunting, like a, a scouting trip. He doesn't say, you know, um, it, it's implied that they're going to look for supplies, but he doesn't say for sure whether it's going to be for... You know, I, I didn't know whether to take it to mean they were going to go look for more supplies or whether they are going to go scout, you know, Woodbury. Could be both. I mean, Daryl did tell him earlier that they were running low on food and stuff, so um, they, they might make a pit stop and, and do both in one trip. But yeah, that whole last scene with Andrea and everything is all intercut with, with those scenes, and uh, it just plays really, really well. I especially like how they went from uh, Beth singing to the actual Tom Waits version uh, three quarters of the way through, I guess. But well, uh, it, it all yeah. played very well. Well, did you guys think the governor was awake through that whole thing where she's standing there with the knife? Yeah. Was, he, was he awake? Yeah, I think he I was just so. biding his time, hoping she wouldn't do it. But if she did go to, you know, to actually stab him, I, I was figuring he was going to grab the knife and, and turn it on her. I almost thought, again, for a minute, that that he was going to just pull out a gun and blow her away. Um, You know, I, I'm not... I guess because they made such a big deal about Andrea in this episode, it was so centered around her. And then, you know, that bit at the end, I I was half expecting her not to make it through. Yeah, it, it would have both surprised me and not surprised me, but it would have been a ballsy move for either of them to die in that scene, I thought. Yeah, I, I was pretty convinced it wasn't going to be the governor. I Like I've said before on the show, I think he's he's in it for the somewhat long haul. I could be wrong, but... I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it through even season four um, or, or you know, maybe maybe gets it at the end of season four or season five. But I don't anticipate him dying this season at all. Um, but I, I like the bit with Rick back in the prison, especially hit the scene he had with Daryl, because he goes on about um, about Merle. And I think the group has come to realize that it, it is what it is, that, you know, if they had their way, they would you know, flip him out to the walkers and let him fend for himself or give him back to the governor, you know, as a peace offering. But I I think they realize that he does have his usefulness. Um, you know, they can keep him at arm's length, but I like that Rick told Daryl, you know, he, you know, 
keep an eye on things. I need you to keep things safe. But if he flips out, it's on you. You know, that, right. that basically I'll tolerate Merle, Merle being here, but if he, if anything happens and he hurts anybody, it's your ass. So I, I thought that was really cool. And then the bit with him, when he said he was going to take Michonne and take Carl, I thought that was awesome because I think he's really starting to realize that, um, that Carl is not just a little boy, that Carl's capable. He needs to treat Carl more like a man. Um, and, and also, I think he's ready to to start trusting Michonne a little more and find out like what is she really about. And I think if they if they spend some you know quote unquote quality time together, that he'll figure out that he they need either cut her loose or bring her into the fold. Yeah, he has that line about Carl where he goes, "Yeah, he's ready." You know, so he really is. Yeah. I mean, especially like with the scene with them at the beginning, really is punctuating it for him that you know Carl is not a little boy anymore. Carl is you know a member of this group. So, gentlemen, what are your buster ratings for this week's episode? I will give it three busters. Uh, it, it to me, it was just kind of an average episode. I, and the lower ranking, I, I guess three is not is not horrible, but I, 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 it was kind of a necessary episode. I mean, the ending of the previous episode was such a you know, an emotional roller coaster with just all of the action and everything going on and being at the edge of your seat. I guess we needed kind of one to just kind of take a little bit of a breather to reorganize, to, to talk things out uh, and to, and to kind of settle a little bit. The, the main criticism I have with this episode was just the Andrea bits. I think having her rehash, you know, that T dog is dead and, and Lori's dead and, you know, um, you know what happened with Shane. It just, it just seemed like it was kind of treading ground again. That you know, it's like okay, we've been there. That that her visit to the prison didn't really uh, break any new ground, and and it could be that that'll play itself out, and we'll we'll see. You know, what her real motive was for kind of flipping back and forth. Um, but it, it just seemed like like we just we just kind of spun our wheels a little bit in this episode, and we didn't we didn't really learn a whole lot new. It was one of four out of five busters. I uh, I enjoyed it because uh, it cleared out a lot of the you know the things. You know, when is Andrea going to meet the group again? You know, when is she going to find out about all these things? I, I didn't mind that they uh, they went over some of that stuff with her and just to get that out of the way, so like everybody's up to speed now. Everybody knows where everybody is. I take a, I take one point off because. I mean, and after last week, I understand. Last week, you know, the whole last ten minutes was nothing but a giant action sequence. So I understand they're kind of, you know, except for the the scene where she did the Michonne, uh, there really wasn't a lot of Walker stuff going on here. Um, so I, I'm going to take a you know, point off for that. But other than that, I thought it was a decent episode. I, I it, like Russ said, it was an episode that needed to happen to, to progress the story a little further. And uh, I'm glad they were able to wrap it all up in one episode rather than you know if it had been. You know, a more laconic pace. You know, more uh, episodes. Um, the the pace seems to be still be going on pretty pretty quickly, and uh, you know everything looks like it's coming to a head by the end of the season. So, I, I give it a four out of five. And I will give it a four point two five. Um, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Yes, not a lot actually happened, but this was for me an example of a slower paced episode. That was still very interesting. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are unhappy with Andrea's story, but I was captivated by it the whole episode, and I thought they gave a suitably tense atmosphere for pretty much the whole episode that kept me interested, kept me invested, and uh, generally made it a, a positive experience of an episode for me. So I think this is the tone they need to shoot for when they do the quieter episodes. Um tense, lots of things could happen, none of them necessarily need to. She doesn't need to kill the governor, he doesn't need to kill her, um, zombies don't need to be getting killed left and right, but that, that feeling of tension is what really sold the episode for me. So 4.25. And I believe Brad sent in a Buster rating for us as well, since he wasn't able to be here tonight. He did, he texted me his Buster rating of 4.25. Hey, he... I'm on the same page with Brad for once. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he didn't elaborate, but uh, but that that was his rating. So before we get to Aaron's uh, review, his shortened review for the uh, episode, Jim, why don't you tell us what the people on Facebook, on our Facebook group, uh, Walking Dead TV, search that on Facebook, you'll find it, it's awesome. 
What did they have to say about this week's episode? Okay, uh, we have a, a very active Facebook group, like Jordan said. Uh, Everard uh, Santa Maria gave it a 3.75 Toothless Armless Guide Zombies. I actually liked it a lot as, as a lot of the pieces fell into place. Uh, Heather Campbell Fidge gave it a 3.5. Philip Herb gave it four T-Dogs. It seems Andrea's main purpose on the show is to try our patience. And a lot of people like that on the on the group. Uh, Mike Jones gave it four prison songs out of five. Uh, Mary Turk uh, Pachia gave it uh, three Michonne push-ups. Uh, Leslie Johnson gave it a four. Uh, I did think it was a great episode for that the most part moved all the characters forward. The pace felt more on target for when an episode of The Walking Dead should be. So, you know, definitely uh, in the same range as us. Uh, David Gleason gives it only a 2 out of 5, the second worst episode of the entire series. It was so disjointed, it seemed terribly rushed, with terrible writing. Uh, I don't know if I agree with uh, with all that there. Uh, Don Heffern gave it a 2.5. I understand that episodes like this are necessary to advance the story, but, they, uh, but being the follow-up to last week's incredible finish really made this one seem weak. Uh, Lisa Gonzalez gave it a 3.5. Uh, Luke Smith, our friend from across the pond from Luke Smith FX, gave it a 3 out of 5. I think this is just building up for the next. Uh, Mick Muse also gave it a 3.5. So a lot of mixed reviews on this episode, a lot more than I thought. As Jordan said, if you'd like to join in on the fun, we have a pretty active Facebook group uh, community at The Walking Dead TV Podcast on the Facebooks. Look it up and find us. And what did our good friend Aaron from the Out Now with Aaron and A podcast, which you can find at hhwlod.com, have to say this week about The Walking Dead, Russ? He said, Hey dudes, so this week we got the Andrea Hour, and I can't say I was really thrilled by that concept, let alone the episode in general. When Walking Dead is at its best, I can be happy with an episode that is focused on the characters, but unfortunately Andrea is the most problematic character on the show. So I can't say I had much attachment to her plight throughout this episode, despite the interesting idea of her, of having her meet up with her former group. This felt like stalling more than anything else, and I can only hope that the more interesting characters make up the central plot points for the next few episodes before the inevitable prison slash Woodbury showdown. Um, I'll stop there. Do you guys think that this season we're going to get the big showdown between the prison and Woodbury, or do you think they're going to let this stew out a little longer? I think we will definitely get a big showdown between the two before the season's out. I don't know that I'll say, or that I expect it to necessarily be the final one or play out like it did in the comics. Um, I, I kind of agree with you that this could go on for a season or two um, past this season. But I don't know that it necessarily will. But I, I think we'll get at least a big battle between the two. Yeah, I agree. I think there'll be some sort of resolution to the storyline by the end of the season uh, to to be the hook or the cliffhanger into the next season. Uh, but I don't know if it'll be you know like like Jordan said you know a decisive conclusion. Interesting. So he continues on on the plus side. I am most interested in seeing how things play out for Merle. Not sure how trusting I would be of him given that Rick allows him to carry a gun and help him out during the episode, but at least I have no idea where this is really going. So far, the second half of the third season has been lacking for me, so I hope things heat up soon. It's not a matter of pacing, I just wish I could like all of these characters in terms of how they are written as opposed to just some of them. Example, Carol and Daryl have one scene together, but it's well written and acted. Meanwhile, Andrea has a whole A-plot for this episode and it leaves me cold. Walker action is fun and all, but if AMC wants to say, characters matter here, I want to see that ring true on the series as a whole. Three out of five busters. P.S. Should we go back to season two and see if Beth has a Tom Waits poster in her room? (laughs) I don't think she had any posters in her room. It was very stereotypical farmhouse, but that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, he definitely makes some good points. I, I, you know, again, I kind of gave my comments on, on the whole... You know, a plot Andrea thing. I think it was just one of those things that, even though it slowed things down a bit, was just necessary. It's kind of like the, I guess, the Star Trek three of the of of the series for the, for this episode. Is Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon around? That would be awesome. He makes an awesome Klingon. Indeed, he does. Russ, I believe you also have two emails from other listeners uh, this week. Why don't you read the first one of those to us? All righty, here we go. Uh, The first one's from Angel, and he says, Hey guys, welcome back. It's been super busy at work, so getting time to listen and respond has been difficult, but Queen of the Puds Attacks is back as well. Uh, 
It says, Suicide King, when you guys were discussing how easy it seems to have become to kill a walker with just a good stomping, you need to keep in mind that the apocalypse has been going on for a good while now, and many of the walkers have been deteriorating for a while. Thus, the skull would be a whole lot softer than a human skull, right? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, even if it's a deteriorating, I think a skull, I don't think the skull is going to get thinner. I mean, you know, I think the skull stays pretty solid over time, but I think it's just one of those things that just, you know, something about stomping a skull and seeing everything kind of ooze just, just uh, kind of grosses you out and is cool at the same time, at least at least for me. Yep, I'd rather it be uh, slightly physiological untrue and awesome than physiologically true and just kind of boring. Yep. The heart of good storytelling is embellishment, after all. Exactly. And when you can embellish with a hatchback, there's nothing better. Here, here. (laughs) Also, it was almost annoying that during The Talking Dead, Stephen Yoon and Chris Hardwick kept talking about Maggie being violated. I suppose if Glenn does believe that Maggie was raped, Stephen was staying in character until his past week's episode where she came out and told him blow by blow what happened. Way to go, Stephen. Well, I mean... It's a violation whether there was an actual rape or not. Her personal space was certainly violated, regardless of what happened on or off screen. I mean, what we saw alone was a violation, just a different definition of one. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Home. All I can say about this week's show is that, in a way, I can understand Maggie's attitude towards Glenn when it comes to her attack. A female's perspective would be that she needs to own the situation, to come to terms with what happened, and Glenn's anger and reaction may have made her feel that he was making it too much about himself, just saying. You guys said last show that Glenn hustled Tyrese's group off to a different part of the prison when Rick wigged out. But if that were so, where were they during the big shootout? I wondered that myself, then thought that they fled the prison thinking they were not welcomed. Otherwise, even though they did not have weapons, they would have at least tried to help out, so they most likely show up eventually. I think we were just speculating that could be what happened, but uh, obviously we know the real answer now. Yeah. For those of us obsessed with the show, we knew Axel was about to die when he showed up in the black shirt and not the prison overalls. A photo had been leaked showing Carol leaning over someone who had been shot in the head. That said, great job, guys. Love having you back. Angel. Yeah, I generally try to stay away from spoiler photos like that, so thankfully I did not have it ruined for me. Yeah, me too. Who sent in the other email this week, Russ? Our last email this week comes in from Heather. So she says, Hi guys, I was somewhat disappointed mostly because of the Andrea story. I know we talk often about suspending our disbelief because this is, after all, a zombie show. One of the things I love about the show is the fact that most of the time the way the characters deal with the fantastical elements of the show is reasonable and realistic. Sometimes if a reaction doesn't seem realistic to us at first, we can further dissect it and usually end up with justifying the behavior. Maybe you could say that the show has been unrealistically realistic so far. Not sure now. Parts of Season 3 are getting a little far-fetched. I like lots of parts of this episode and have liked the intensity and the drama in this season very much, but I'm just not getting the Andrea-slash-Governor story. Each week it gets a little worse. He said, if you go to the prison, stay there. Yet when she came back, he, conf- he comforted her and took her to bed and showed no signs of distrust or disappointment in her. Am I missing something? The only justification I could come up with that is that he is going to use her in some way to get to the prison group, especially now that he has Tyrese on board. He had to show her that he still cared about her and was not, in fact, angry at her for going to the prison just so he could keep her around and on his side. Maybe the whole thing would have made more sense if they had been able to spend more time explaining the governor's apparent change of heart. I know you only have... So much time to explore things in a TV show, though, and some things would have, would have to be left to the viewer's imagination. Usually I'm fine with that and enjoy putting the pieces together myself, but for me the pieces are just not fitting together right now. Also, Milton went from reluctantly agreeing, did he ever agree really, to cover for Andrea while she snuck off to the prison to go with her and actually helping her catch a zombie. She should have seen through that. If he was reluctant to even cover for her because of his fear of the governor, there's no way in hell he would have actually gone with her and helped her. Lastly, how did she and Milton even know how to get to the prison? I liked everything else, especially Merle's conversation with Herschel and Rick's initial reaction to Andrea. At first that seemed out of line to me, but the more I thought about it, the more I could see where Rick was coming from there. I guess Rick is ignoring Carl's suggestion. Anyway, thanks for doing what you do, Heather. All right, a lot of stuff to unpack there. Um... 
let's see, where should we start? Uh, how they got to the prison or how they knew where it was, well, if they know it's a prison, all they have to do is find a map and find the nearest prison, so that shouldn't be too difficult. Um, as for the governor's motivation, that's one of those things that doesn't really bother me simply because I assume it'll be, it's one of those things that'll be explained in the first five minutes of next week's episode, you know what I mean? Or, you know, some point during the rest of the season. I'm fine with being in the dark as to why he did what he did, because this is an Andrea-focused episode, and she was in the dark. So it just puts her puts us in her shoes and helps convey the uncertainty and, and the the general tension. So that worked for me. There's that old saw about keeping your uh, friends close and your enemies closer. Um, if he can't trust Andrea, at least she's there under his thumb where she, he can keep an eye on her. Um, I think that's you know that's part of it too. Um, the, she makes some good you know some decent points. Um, you know I, I thought a lot of what what she said you know while I was watching the show. So um, you know. Good, good email, Heather. Thanks. So that's pretty much it for this episode. We, of course, are going to have our short, uh, slightly spoilery preview for next week's episode after the ending here. So stick around and uh, you never know. There might be some bloopers at the end. I don't know myself. I won't know till I edit it. Anyway, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, and we'd certainly like you to, you can do so at 516-468-7912. That's 516-468-7912. Or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. And you can always send us an MP3 faux voicemail there as well, if you'd like. Don't forget, you can check out all of our shows at hhwlod.com. That's, of course, where you can also find Aaron's full written review, which is, of course, longer and much more in-depth and always good about this week's episode and every week's episode. And you can check out his podcast there, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Half Hour Wasted, Legion of Dudes, PKD Black Box, and more. You can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at hhwlod underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, Michonne... It's not just a noun anymore. Have a good week, everybody. And next week on The Walking Dead, like I said, spoilers, spoilers, next week's episode is entitled Clear. And the synopsis we have from AMC is, realizing they are heavily outgunned against the governor's forces, Rick leads an expedition to get more weapons. So I guess now we know what he was really planning on doing. And in the clip, uh, the preview clip they show, uh, you know, it's gonna, it looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, Rick, uh, Michonne, and Carl-centric episode pretty much. But somebody uh, covers Rick with sniper fire, and there was some speculation on the Facebook group uh, that it might be Morgan, which would be a great throwback to season one. So, And he's an awesome actor, so hopefully it is him, and hopefully he sticks around. But we won't know for sure until Sunday. So we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one, everybody. Curse you, Red Baron. It's <laughs> no rush. I'll cut this part out. Well, good. Make some bloopers then. Oh, I need to go to bed so bad. Working for the man's getting you down. I just didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Yeah, what's her name?